How in the world did it come to this? Daryl was in his mid-40s and fresh out of prison when I met him in a homeless shelter. Daryl was rather open and forthcoming with me that afternoon. He told me his story about living on the run, about drugs and alcohol, how they had gotten him into trouble. He told me about his life of duplicity and dishonesty and straight up fear, letting down those people closest to him, stealing money from his mother, taking his neighbor's car. Because of this, he was always on the defense, always trying to protect something, always fearing that he was going to be found out. He was found out early in the morning after a multi-day bender. He said, you know, it's never good when it's your mama who calls the cops on you. He was arrested and taken to county. Daryl told me something that I'll never forget. He said, I sat there in my cell and I was the freest I've ever been. I was as free as a bird in springtime. I didn't have to run anymore. He had a bright look in his eyes that afternoon as we talked. Pasta, I found God there in prison. Pasta, I swear God lives there in the prison. Well, Daryl was released, and after a few years, he found himself homeless. Basically, he couldn't find a job. No one would hire him, not with his criminal record. Here was a transformed man, a man who had changed, just trying to get his foot back in the door, and no one would take a chance on him. Sometimes I thought to myself, there's more grace in prison than in the modern workforce that imprisons so many. How in the world did it come to this? I haven't been able to get that question out of my mind, especially as I've been thinking about the last year we've all lived through. As I've read what we all see constantly in the media, I often ask myself, how did it come to this for them, for that person? Why do people make wrong choices? How do people come to be broken as they are, and so often do unto others the harm that was done to them. Sometimes it seems it's only with a fleeting moment's reaction, sometimes from a day or a week or many years of planning, preparing, and anticipating, a person will act or react in a way that proves tragic. Tragic for them or others or both. Is it hate? Is it hurt 
Is it cowardice, callousness, or ignorance? How in the world did it come to this? It's a question on my mind, especially as I consider two of Jesus' disciples there with him in the end, Peter and Judas. The last moments of Jesus' life end in moral catastrophe for two of Jesus' closest followers. We know so little about these followers leading up to the final week, but we can't help but ask the questions that we normally do in the face of crime. How were they raised? What did they value as children? Did they have support from their parents, from their extended family? But then the questions go on. Why were these two, Judas and Peter, attracted to the wandering rabbi? Were they looking to leave home? Were they like Daryl, on the run from something? Or were they genuinely interested? Were these men introverted or extroverted, charismatic or more reflective in the moment? Were they like Jesus, riled up by hypocrisy and injustice? Did they have a sense of humor, a hearty appetite, nerves of steel, a love for children, a certain way with the rich, the, or a certain way with the poor? They must have been both very impressive. And yet, the final week in Jesus' life ends in moral catastrophe. Betrayal, abandonment, broken trust. So what happened? However similar, however different they are to one another, they end up in the same place, both of them in the Garden of Gethsemane, and both of them, to their own horror and to others, betrayers of their closest friend. What ultimately is the difference between Judas, remembered for his deception, and his friend Peter, remembered for his sainthood? I suspect they had much in common, except for one little thing. For reasons which we do not know, following the crucifixion, Judas was rash. Peter was not. Judas takes his own life. Peter is given his life back by Jesus' gift of forgiveness. And on that forgiveness, Jesus uses Peter to build his church. How is it that for one, the prison of guilt and shame is the end, and for another, the beginning of a new life. When Jesus cries out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing, Jesus is making the plea of a lifetime. He's imploring God's forgiveness, not just for those who had a role in his crucifixion, which was most everyone. Jesus was speaking for the entire human race. Father, 
forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Does anyone ever fully understand what they're doing? For sure, absolutely. The tragedy in the Garden of Gethsemane mirrors the tragedy in the Garden of Eden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is something ultimately that only God can bear. Only God knows all. Our knowledge of another's wrongdoing is always partial. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's no accountability or reckoning for wrongdoing. What I am suggesting is that there's always a capacity to see others as more than their wrongdoing. What Jesus is up to on the cross is forgiveness. His arms open wide for all, whether or not they ask for it, whether they be friend or neighbor or enemy, both Peter and Judas are forgiven. Now the metaphor that Jesus, is, Jesus uses in the Gospels to describe forgiveness is the setting free of a prisoner to unbind someone. Without this kind of liberation, someone is simply chained to their past probably to repeat their past, and shackled from changing. They will likely stay the same, as will we, as their judges. Forgiveness is life-giving, giving life instead of taking it. But it does always involve a death. There is a death of the ego, a death of pride, a depth, a death of judgment, a death of fear, a death on a cross. And yet, for all of that, I think forgiveness is such an ordinary act, not always tied to moral wrongdoing. Often, for me, forgiveness is just the simple act of letting another person be different from me. When I get stressed and tired, I tend to walk around with a script for the world, for others. And when people forget their lines in my show, their lines generally being, you're brilliant, Garrett, or yes, you are always right, Garrett. When they forget these lines, I grow bitter. And often, to forgive another is just to drop your script, to let people be themselves, unbinding others from ourselves, offering them to God. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In a moment, we will pray in the solemn collects let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection through Jesus Christ our Lord. The miracle of Jesus Christ's gospel is that people can change, and change for the better. I wonder if you believe that.
I wonder if you believe that the action of God in the world is to bring every last one of us to perfection. It's not a forced perfection, of course, so much as an invitation, an unbinding from our pasts. And this invitation is there for Judas and Peter alike, for the Judas and the Peter who live in us. The poet Lucy Shaw writes, because we are all betrayers, taking silver and eating body and blood and asking guilty, is it I? And hearing him say, yes, it would be simple for us all to rush out and hang ourselves. But if we find grace to cry and wait after the voice of mourning has crowed in our ears, clearly enough to break our hearts, he will be there to ask each again, do you love me?